baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, it was like any other day off the coast of Tybee Island in Georgia, except for one thing. There seemed to be a giant hamster wheel out there on the water. If I saw that, I would probably tell myself I was imagining things. I think I would, too, but this was real. And inside it was a man who said he'd planned to get that vessel all the way across the Atlantic to London, England. Before it could get far, though, the hamster wheel caught the Coast Guard's attention and got its creator, athlete Ray Bellucci, in legal trouble. He allegedly claimed to have a bomb on board as they told him to stop the trip. I do have to wonder, though, if Bellucci hadn't been stopped, would he have been able to make it all the way to his destination? I wanted to ask him more about the wheel, but I wasn't able to get in touch with him. So we reached out to some experts. Dean Ovell, a runner who has experience running in a hamster wheel. And Bart Kemper, principal engineer of Kemper Engineering. Now, you may have seen him earlier this year doing interviews about the Ocean Gate disaster involving the wreck of the Titanic. Kemper Engineering was one of the firms that signed a letter asking that company not to take its submersible into the deep. I'm Lauren Berry, a producer for the show. And I'm your host, Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat. So, Bart, can you help us understand what this guy, Bellucci, was trying to do? And are there other vessels like this one? There are similar recreational toys that are used. I mean, they're, they're meant for recreational purposes. They're not work class, not research. They are either owned by a company or they're owned by an individual where you're in a bubble of some sort and people roll down hills with them. They go out in the water with them and they walk on the water with them. This one's homemade. It appears to be designed and, and built by that person. That's my understanding of the claim. So, so was it an inflatable or was it more like a paddle boat kind of design? Well, it's both. There, there, it is. There is a inflatable aspect to it, or at least, and and this ring with flotation buoys on it. So there, there's some compartment compartmentalization on it, and there are some items that stick out from it that look like paddles. That as you walk on it, and theoretically, as you cause it to rotate, that would create additional friction, create create a, a resulting force that would allow you to to get some measure of forward progress. Is there any chance at all that something like this could make it across the ocean? Assuming the weather was perfect, we haven't even gotten to that yet, but could this make it across the ocean? And what design changes would you would you recommend to, to ensure that it does? I don't think this could get across the I mean, there are some huge issues with this right off the bat. One of which is just life support. In, in, in the media reports I read, he, he was stopped 70 miles in a 4,000-mile trek. That was his plan, was 4,000 miles of walking. All right, so let's look at people that would be walking, you know, just walking on land. And that's assuming, so in land, you get all the friction that you need. The, water, nothing's, the ground's not slipping out, out from underneath you as it does in water. Most, you know, the most usually you get is 20 miles a day. 
that that was what the militaries used to march at even 10 miles a day across rough terrain was all the militaries used to march at 20 miles a day was was a was a forced march and then for brief periods of time for like a week or two units could go maybe 30 miles a day but they were not truly fit to fight at the end of those days and at the end of those weeks but let's just call it 20 miles a day that the person could walk 20 miles a day well 4,000 miles divided by 20 is 200 200 days all right 200 days how much water do you need a day now a normal person needs about four liters or a gallon a day that's not counting heavy labor but let's just go with that um 400 liters times 150 days is 600 liters. 600 liters is 600 kilograms of water that you would have to carry on your own. That's not even counting the food. My dad was an oceanographer, and he told me once, he said that there are, you know, there are challenges associated with marine engineering that that, that are completely different than engineering on land. Absolutely. The joke is, if you want a houseboat, it's 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 like having a house where the water, where the basement's always leaking. When you get out in the ocean, there is so much dynamics. Uh, the, in, in engineering terms, you have statics and dynamics. Statics are things that stand still. Your house is a good example. Things on the ocean are not static; they are subject to movement, and all that movement and all the action is a consideration you normally don't have to deal with. But you have fatigue issues, you have corrosion issues, you have unpredictable loads, you know, the, the wave action, what kind of situation you're in. This is why being a ship's captain is such a truly awesome, and I mean awesome and not as in the California American term, but as in amazingly hard, full of, full of danger and responsibility to be a ship's captain because you have to make decisions. You're it. There is no, you're the only one making that decision and if you're wrong, you could destroy the ship. Mike, do you have a favorite piece of equipment at the gym? Yeah, the exit door. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess, you know, it's not really a piece of equipment per se, but I, I like swimming. I like I, swimming, is a, you know, laps. It's a great workout. Yeah, swimming is fun. Swimming is fun. And I honestly, I don't go to the gym much. But when I do, I usually go for the Stairmaster. It seems kind of easy to me. Um, our other producer, Chris, is an expert at spinning. Um, he's probably at the gym more than the two of us. Uh, but the reason why I'm asking is, if you walked into your gym and saw a giant hamster wheel, would you want to get on it? Probably not. I think I would think to myself, why not just get on a treadmill? You're going to get the same workout. It's true. The hamster wheel does have kind of that novelty to it. And uh, after looking at photos of a big hamster wheel that Dino Vell jumped into for charity... I've decided it looks kind of like fun. I definitely wouldn't make it as long as Dean did, though. Um, and I wanted to know more about how he spent 24 hours in this thing and what it feels like to be in one of these giant wheels for a long time. That's right. So I asked him a few questions about it. I understand you have a little experience with these giant hamster wheels. So uh, a few years ago now, um, with the aim uh, to complete... 24 hours of running uh, in it solo, but it was, uh, like I say, on a land. Uh, so it was um, located in my uh, local uh, shopping center um, and, uh, and then just surrounded by a large cage. Uh, so I looked like a, uh, a fully fledged hamster um, in this wheel. 
How did you come up with this idea? Because this isn't the sort of thing that most people just sit up in bed at night and say, hey, I'm going to build a giant hamster wheel. No, well, you know, I, I'm always trying to come up with something new. I'm a designer, mechanical designer. So I'm, I'm, I'm always coming up with different ideas of, of mechanical projects. But this one was uh, I wanted to do something which was stationary uh, so people could see me. Uh, it's a, a charity fundraising event. So being visible to the public is important. Um, so I wanted to do something that I could run on for 24 hours so people could see me. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Treadmill would have worked perfectly fine from a gym, but it isn't very visually uh, exciting. Uh, so the idea of a hamster wheel was uh, was kind of born from that, really, something that, that just sparked uh, interest and attention. Tell me about the design. Was this uh, what we would normally think of when we think of a hamster wheel, or was it one of these big inflatable balls? No, it's pretty much what you'd think of as a, as a hamster wheel. Um, and rather than being a, a central spindle, um, it sat on a, um, a platform with rollers underneath. So the wheel would come off completely. Um, but but yeah, so it, it's essentially a, a, a large wooden hamster wheel, um, as you'd have in a cage at home. What was the most difficult part of that for you? Um, getting used to running in it. Um, I'm used to running out on the trails and, and running over over hills and in the, in the open air. Um, and then all of a sudden you're you're caged and you've got nothing to look at in front of you, but some some wooden slats moving very quickly in front. So it's a, a very strange concept to run in that um, without becoming dizzy or disorientated. I was going to say, it sounds like it's, it's just as much of a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge. Oh, completely. I mean, I'd run 24-hour events and 100-mile events beforehand, so the, the distance and the time wasn't so much a factor, but being stuck in this revolving uh, wheel um, with, with nothing to look at was a, was a big challenge. And you did this in a public place, right? People could come by and see you. Oh, completely, yes. Yeah, on a busy weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we had, what we, we, had live, we had live music and we had bands playing around me. We had... Uh, during the day, it was a it was a proper festival atmosphere, um, oh, but the night wow. the night time was the uh, the quietest period and and the strangest period with with people coming home from the local uh, nightclubs and revelers and whatever else um, coming past and and quite quite bemused by uh, by this man sat in his or running in his wheel in the middle the, of the night. The drunks stumbling out of the pubs and there's yep. a guy in a hamster wheel. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk about this guy that they've busted now for trying to do this on water. Uh, you, you said that friends had been sending you this story about this guy. I guess his name is Bellucci, right? What, uh, what, yeah. what, what, what did you, when you first heard about this, what, what was your initial reaction? I mean, I mean, it takes some, some crazy to, uh, to try and attempt something like that. Um, it, it's, it's one of those almost impossible feats, uh, uh, but a challenge is, is what it's supposed to be. But, 
the stories that we heard over here initially were more from the aspect of the safety and the fact that he'd been busted for, you know, trying to uh, trying to cross the Atlantic with without the right permissions and uh, and then you know everything that came after that with um, you know he was making threats and and things. So it's it was quite shocking really um, to see it. What was what seems like a phenomenal idea for someone to try and achieve uh, turn into this chaotic. Uh, uh, event that uh, that ends up in 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 all the all the wrong reasons uh, why it was in the press. Was his similar to yours, or or was this more of an inflatable thing? To maybe you're on water, right? You got to keep the water out. So it's a very it's a similar design, uh, but he's got uh, flotation devices uh, around it. Um, so looking as an engineer, looking at this thing and comparisons with mine, it was it was fantastic. And if you're going to build something like that, then it seemed the way to do it. But but it's it's a long way and you've got a lot to consider when when crossing something like water. Um, you know, I had the beauty of being on firm ground um, and all I had to deal with was a, a small shower, um, rain shower at one point during the night where this guy's got, you know, waves coming up and he only got 70 miles off the coast of georgia goodness knows what it would have been like 100 miles 200 miles further out um would you ever consider something like this i uh, yes probably but but not over such a large expanse i mean it's um some guy tried it across the irish sea so from uh mainland uk um over to ireland um a few years ago um two or three attempts all failed um, so it's it's not something that, that you undertake lightly. Um, it, there's a, an awful lot of factors to consider. As it turns out, there have actually been a few attempts to get across the Irish Sea in a hamster wheel. And Lauren, you've got some information about that. I do. So in 2012, British engineer Chris Todd attempted to raise money for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution and Wiltshire Blind Association by walking the 66-mile watery expanse. British TV presenter Lindsay Russell also made an attempt in a hamster wheel bubble contraption called a Zorb in 2016 to raise money for the sport relief charity. And I know you're going to be shocked, but they both failed, didn't they? <laughs> I know. Real shocker. According to reports, Todd ran marathons for six days across the Gobi Desert in Mongolia and walked through the Arctic in a really cold windchill, but he wasn't able to complete the hamster wheel challenge. Russell made it around 17 miles before being picked up by a support vessel due to weather issues. There's a lot of hazards involved with this, but the Atlantic is not a uh, passive, placid lake. Uh, and, and even the Great Lakes are actually inland the seas, but even the Great Lakes have storms that, that will take out a major will take out a ship. This is this would be challenging to just go across the English Channel. Hamster wheel journeys are difficult anyway, and Bellucci's journey had some pretty glaring safety issues because while Russell had a support vessel, Bellucci went out alone. You have to have radio comms. You have to have the global maritime distress safety system, uh, satellite in indicating radio beacons, search and rescue transporters, and and nav aids. You have to have something out there so people can see you under you know at night or under foggy conditions. So all of that alone is gear that he would have to bring with him. Now the way other people have done things like kayaking 
or other sorts of, of more extreme events, they had, or even swimming, that's that's been done. People have swum long distances in the open water. They have a chase boat. The chase boat provides life support. Provide, you know, they, they bring water out to the person. They bring the food out to the person. They, they provide the overwatch, and they keep that person attempting to do things safe. That's like a support vehicle on land, and Bellucci didn't have that. He did not. So he had none of this. When he was stopped by the Coast Guard, it was always him and the Coast Guard. There was no other vessel ever sighted in any of the news reports I read. It was always just him by himself. And the last incident, he threatened to kill himself, and then he threatened to use a bomb. So that is, and that's why he he caught several federal charges because now he's in, now you know he is. I believe the term is interfering with the boarding operation. It, and, it's and, just and, it's just not good. And what about the weather? Well, it's not even a question of the weather is good. You're it's assuming there's no wind ever, and and, and that's and that's the thing is that good weather at a, in the Atlantic does not mean it it doesn't rain. It's, good weather means it rains. Good weather means there's going to be wind. It, it just means that there's you're not going to have. A, a massive uh, you know, storm. You're not going to have a hurricane. You're not going to have something like that. Do you think the, the Ocean Gate story that we mentioned earlier has helped people understand just how dangerous it can be uh, at sea? I, obviously, it didn't help this guy understand, but in general? I doubt it. Sincerely, I doubt it. The people that respect the ocean respect the ocean. Uh, if you've never been out there, before it's understandable but most in my experience most people when they really get out there and start working on the water they start realizing how inhospitable it is it's not even a question of knowing how to swim it's it's just it's, it's a hostile environment and yet we have people all the time with years of experience on the water doing stupid things the coast guard deals with that all the time So if you ever did it, or if this guy ever tried it again, what would your advice be? Let people know ahead of time, I guess, would be one thing. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, so much goes into the planning of these things. And if you're you're putting yourself out there um, for whatever reasons you're doing it, most you know, all of my uh, challenges are, are generally about raising money for charity. So you put the publicity out there. But if you're doing anything where you are in the public domain, where you are bring have an Im impact on other people, uh, whether it be safety, environmental, um, and and there's an awful lot to consider uh, with you know law enforcement, medical services, all need to be involved uh, in the in the planning phases to make sure that it's it's viable and that it's safe, not just for you but for other people. I mean, doing these things, we there's always an inherent personal risk involved. Um, to, to, to doing these things and some of the personal solo challenges I've done outside of the charity work. But it's, it's your own risk. I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks so much for listening to Something Off Beats. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake. Audio editing by Brief Lawrence. Got original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall.
Now, to keep listening, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, we'd love to hear about it. Send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.